Hi, I'm Lori, and I want to welcome you to the Awakening Moments podcast. And I'm Rhonda. Lori and I are pastors here in Ottawa, Canada, and we're both wives, moms, and most importantly, daughters and servants of God. And it's our hope and prayer that you would have awakening moments with us as we wrestle through the hard things in life. Lori and I love that we can share our lives with you, so grab your tea or coffee, and let's awaken our hearts together. How are you? Is your belly full? Are you hungry for more? So here's the thing. I need you to make sure that you're not falling asleep on me, okay? So I want you to make sure, turn to your sister and say, are you awake? Turn to somebody on the other side and say, strap your seatbelt on. No, 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 hold on a second. Not all of you did that. Turn to your neighbor and say, strap your seatbelt on. And then I want you to take your two fingers and I want you to tap the side of your head. Make sure that battery is in there. It's pushed in and it's working this afternoon. Are you hungry for more? Someone said my battery is tired. Absolutely, I understand, especially when you eat food. Are you hungry for more of God? Well, God longs to encounter you this afternoon in this workshop. I'm going to pray, but before I pray, I want you to turn to your neighbor. I want you to say one more thing. This is a workshop. So then you're going to say, girl, you need to work it. You got to say with a little bit of attitude, girl, you need to work. You may have to take your finger and do all this, okay? <laughs> you need to work it. So I will throw a bunch of stuff at you, but it is your responsibility and the Holy Spirit to underline in your heart what the Holy Spirit is highlighting for you, Okay? This is not a, a spectator sport. You know, often we go to games. You go, I go to the Raptors games and, you know, all these different things. Yay, yay, Raptors. Yes. Yes. We're a little bit sad in Toronto because of Kawhi, but we're good. We got over it. But in the Raptors game, often I'll sit back and I'll act like I know what's going on. I'll be like, oh, no, you should have done this. You should have done this. You should have done this. This afternoon, you need to fully engage your heart. Okay? This is a workshop. I'm going to make you work. So I'm going to pray. Father, Father God, we love you. We count it a privilege to be able to be here and to receive for you, from you. So Father, I'm asking that you would father us in this moment. God, that you would, you would encourage us, that you would motivate us, that you would inspire us, that we would feel the cascading affections of your heart towards us. And that, God, we would come away from this place changed. God, I thank you for every single person that is sitting in this room that you see and that you know and you're well acquainted with. May we be inspired to rise up to be all that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, shout amen. Amen. So I have the privilege uh, this afternoon. This is a bit of a, a honor moment for me because I grew up in this house. Uh, I was a little girl. Well, not a little girl. I came in as a teenager. I was in a pretty broken state and place. And I actually found myself here um, on a week 
uh, end when there was youth going on. And I think Pastor Lori was actually up uh, giving a message about purity and about holiness. And I was sitting uh, in the youth and I was completely convicted and I was completely overwhelmed by the love of God. And I rededicated my life to the Lord. And then I went on a whole journey of like getting free. And I grew up here. I knew Lori and and, uh, Jason Boucher before they even had children. I was one of those youth in their house, eating their food, you know, sitting on their couch for hours, really receiving from them and doing missions with them. So this is, I have been, I don't remember the last time I've been here. I was telling somebody, I think the last time I was here was about 20 years ago. Legit. So my parents came, we grew up, um, some of my lifelong relationships came out of this place. So I just want to say, like, I honor Lori Boucher. Let's give her a hand. She is a world-class leader. Awesome. So we're going to jump into my sessions called I Spy with My Little Eye. How many people played that game before as a child? So I have two children. I've got a 12-year-old boy and I got an eight-year-old girl, little girl Shiloh. She's eight years old going on 16, full of color and life. And we have, uh, we've played this game in our car as we've driven, you know, cross country and different things. And this game in our family has been one that has generated a level of fun, family time, uh, contentions, fights. Um, It has generated everything through the spectrum uh, in my children. And I've literally, we've had to pull the car over and break up fights in the back seat because of I Spy with My Little Eye. So... I spy with my little eye. The game, the objective of the game is to see what I see first. Now, in our lives, God wants us to win. And the objective of our life is that we would see what God sees first. And that we would not buy into the lies of the enemy and live by the lies of the enemy. Do you agree? God wants you to win at life. So I'm going to talk to you about this whole idea of our belief systems, what we believe, how we live out our lives. I think we've kind of gone on this journey through this conference of coming to realize that we have companions that we need to let go of that are not your friend. Um, And some of the companions for us as women are stuck between this side and this side of our head. They're the thoughts that permeate our lives. I want you to think about your life or your heart like a garden. It's like someone giving you a garden, a plot of land in which you need to sow seeds, you need to pluck out weeds, and you also need to till the ground and water that which you've sown seeds in. Does that make sense? So today you've been given a plot of land. You've been given a garden. How many gardeners do we have? You, and you actually like to garden. Your garden doesn't look overgrown like some of your neighbors and like it's just bad. They're calling the city on you. <laughs> you actually like to garden and harvest fruit. Well, God wants you to live out the reason why you're here. How many people want to do something amazing and crazy for God? Oh, God, okay, hold on a sec. Maybe the word crazy threw you off a little. I got to give you a definition of crazy. How many people want to max out your life? You're not, you don't want to just abide here sucking air and taking up space. All right, well, God wants the same for you. If you can throw up my slides there this afternoon, we're going to jump right in. There is a relationship between what you believe about yourself, what you do with yourself, 
and what you leave behind yourself. I'm going to say that again. There is a relationship with what you believe about yourself, what you do with yourself, how you live out your life, and what you leave behind yourself. It has to do with being, how you feel about yourself, and what you believe about yourself has to do with uh, being and just being comfortable in your own skin. What you do with yourself has to do with stewardship, how you live out your life. And what you leave behind yourself has to do with legacy. And all of these things start and fail in the thought process that you have about yourself. So my first slide up there, oh, that's my like, I think my third slide. We're going to back up a little bit to the slide that says my story, if that's okay. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my journey because I want you to understand. I want you to leave here with some practical know-hows about keeping your garden a fruit-bearing garden and not a garden that's overgrown with weeds. Because the truest thing in the universe, how many people follow NASA on Instagram? Oh, am I the only person? Hands up. Don't be ashamed. It's a little geeky, yes, but it's okay. Hands up. I follow NASA because it broadens my perspective on how big God is. When they talk about the universe and the vastness of the universe. And the reality about you is that in this great universe, the truest thing about you in this big universe is what heaven says about you. So if you think about all these planets and stars and the vastness of even the, 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 the earth and the various nations and whatever, there could be so many opinions swirling around about you. But the greatest opinion about your life in the entire universe is about what heaven and what God says about you. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, like I said, I grew up in this church uh, under Pastor uh, Joyce and Barry Boucher and then obviously in the youth group. And um, I came from an amazing family. Um, my story is that my parents were absolutely amazing. Uh, they did the best that they could parenting us. Like they, we went to the best schools. My dad was an OBGYN doctor who specialized in high-risk pregnancies. Um, I didn't really know the greatness of his mind until his funeral, actually, because there was uh, colleagues that flew in from all around the world. He was published. He, uh, one of his primary... Uh, desires and objectives in life was to see how to sustain uh, babies in the womb as long as possible and healthy. Um, he specialized in high-risk pregnancies. He was written about, all that kind of great stuff. My mom was in English as a second language teacher. Um, and it, we just had a really great upbringing. But how many people know that your parents do the best that they can, and even though they can be absolutely amazing, they're still not perfect? Right? We honor them for the amazing investment, like absolutely amazing. But the reality is, is sometimes um, things happen and they're not perfect. So I was the youngest of three. And my eldest brother was a special needs child. Um, and then I have a sister, then myself. And I grew up in a household where his needs kind of dominated the atmosphere only because he was on the brink of death at various points and at various times, which was totally fine. So my parents at times, because they were professionals, were overwhelmed with a lot on their work side. But then on the home front, there was a lot going on. So my personality type, I'm kind of like my little girl, um, super creative. 
I could be super loud. I could be like, you know, the kid that would probably try everything, go get a tattoo, a nose ring. You know, I'm just out there. And in my home, um, often there'd be things going on. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I think. And, I'd, and all I hear was a little bit like, shh. I'd be like, oh my goodness, I think I should, shh. I'd be like, maybe we should go to, shh. And I was like, so after a while, I grew up with this notion that my voice didn't have value. And that I was too much. And I in, 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 uh, innately took on the responsibility of not adding to my parents' stress. So internally I said, I've got to belittle, I've got to be more hushed about who I am so that I don't stress my parents out. Not knowing that they weren't stressed out, there was grace for them, but I figured, you know what, I want to throw them over the edge. That was coupled with, as a child, I, um, in my family, I had a distant cousin that sexually abused me. So as a kid, I grew up with this notion that, um, and it was not once, it was not twice, it was multiple times when I, you know, disclosed it, I thought it was going to end, it didn't end. You know, so I grew up with this notion that I am being abused because something is wrong with me, and then that graduated to something is wrong with me because I've been abused. So this whole ball of shame was swirling on the inside of me. Thought I was too much, and then I thought, like, I can't let people see me for who I really am because if they see me, they're going to know, like, I know I am wrong. Not something is wrong. I am wrong. Sharon, plus any situation in life, plus any friend in life is and equals wrong. So these were some of the things that came in at an early age, and they formed my thinking patterns, and they formed my belief systems. Because belief systems, um, someone may call it the strongholds of thought, the things that become concrete in your identity, come from your thinking patterns and what you believe to be true. You can go to that first slide that says beliefs. Thank you. The deep beliefs are the deep perspectives or perspectives of about nature of reality that provide programming for our lives. These are the things that hardwire um, information on the inside of this. The things that we believe they actually are thoughts and ideas that dominate our thinking when we get up in the morning and we when we go to bed at night. How many people tend to get up in the morning and you sit there and you kind of ponder before you get out of bed, right? You're kind of thinking about your day. For most women, you're thinking about how I feel today. Side note, <laughs> my husband would say, oh my gosh. But I'd get up in the morning, and sometimes I'm a creative. I like to put on clothes that I feel. So sometimes I'll go to my closet, and I'll be like, I don't feel any of these clothes. Let's go to the mall. <laughs> and my husband will be like, oh no. And I said, I was like, you always knew I was this way when you said I do at the altar. Stop. You should have put aside a budget for these field days that don't represent my wardrobe, right? Stop. How many people are those feelers? You feel. You know, you get up, you think, you feel. And sometimes you got to put those feelings aside to get up out of bed. Because if you, if you live life by how you feel, listen, some of us would be sleeping till the second return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Don't want to get up. Your thoughts set the trajectory of your life. Your thoughts set and contribute to the programming and the trajectory of your life. What does that mean? You have to be intentional 
about what is rolling through your head. Nothing that rolls through your head should not be filtered through an analysis of, is this what I want my life to become? We'll get to that in a moment. So where do our beliefs, where are our thoughts, you know, our beliefs are generated from our thought patterns. Um, where do they come from? Where are the sources? And once again, I'm, I'm going I'm to go through this, and I want you to kind of narrow down and listen to the Holy Spirit about where some of your sources of your thought patterns come from. Number one, you can switch the slide there. Number one, from our parents. Contrary to popular belief, or maybe not popular belief, but sometimes you think, oh, well, I'm my own person. No, you come into the world and how your parents groom you and the environment that they set before you does affect your thought processes. My parents are amazing. They're from the West Indies. I'm like West Indian at heart. And... Uh, they, like, literally how they raised us was to think of ourselves as contributing members to society. My dad was like, you will, you will contribute to society. You will get up, you will get an education, you will, you know, live your life to the best and you will contribute to society. Our family line... This goes in line with your parents, your family line, the, you know, kind of the things that have happened generationally in your family line. Once again, I'm West Indian. One of the cultural things in our West Indian family line uh, that contributed, I'll say this to some of my thought processes, is a, is a chronic analyzation of how you are doing. So I would go into a family event. Once again, this is a workshop, so I'm just kind of, you know, sharing here. I go into a family event, and I would aunties look at me and be like, you look like you're, you're, you've gained weight. <laughs> little, you know, a little, little, little flushed and little, you know, bloated in the face. And in our family, that was normal. But here's the, under, the understanding of this. In the kingdom, that can affect you, right? You, you look a little wide in the hips. I'm like, I'm black. We are all white in the hips, <laughs> right? You know? I would go and I say this to our women in our church, like constant criticizing, you know, my bum. They'd be like, your bum is big. So I'll go to the gym, and if anybody are gymmers in here, you're, you're like, the more you work out, the more the bum grows. <laughs> so I'm trying to slim down, the thing is getting enhanced, and people are commenting, running commentary. You know, I'm never, it's either I'm too fat. You need to eat more. You need to eat less. You're, so you constantly abide in this reality. And I don't know what it is for, you know, Caucasians, for Asians. I'm sure you have all your stuff in the family lines, right? But I had to grow up with this complex that I was just, I'm not enough ever, you know? And I have to put on this like hard steel iron thing when I go to family affairs because I know somebody's going to tell me, someone's going to be handing me a dish to eat more and somebody's going to be taking a dish from me, right? <laughs> Can't do it. Family line, authority figures. You know, how many people have had an authority figure, maybe by the show of hands, who said something that hits you deep in your garden that even to today you're trying to pull up the weed? I had a, yeah, hands, show hands. How many people? Straight up. I had a uh, teacher, uh, a guidance counselor, went to private school, guidance counselor, who looked at me and said, you know what? She's like, you're kind of smart. You're kind of smart. You're kind of smart. You really wouldn't amount to becoming like a doctor or anything, but maybe a nurse. 
I wanted to look that late. First of all, I wanted to, well, I won't confess what I wanted to do. <laughs> but I became like a little kid. I was like, do you know who my daddy is? Not only my earthly daddy, but my daddy? Like, who are you? You're supposed to bring guidance as an authority figure, but yet you're trying to diminish my capacity. Close relationships. I said this to the, um, the group the other day. I said, you need to choose wisely, and I'll go on and talk about this a bit later, who you're close to and who's in your inner circle. Because many people don't real, uh, realize the, the strength of other people's voice in their ears. If you allow people close to you, they're your friends, your journey in life, you will become like them. And if they are low self-esteem, they're insecure about where, who they are and whatnot, chances are that may come on you. You may be that way because what's going to come out of their mouth will probably come out of your mouth. And the reality is, is that we, our words create our reality. I said to the group yesterday, I said, you know what, for some people I'm like, yo, if, you, if you're desiring to lose, let's say you're desiring to lose weight, but you keep saying that you're fat, like I'm fat, girl, I'm fat, look at me, I'm fat, and not like P-H-A-T, does anybody remember the P-H, okay, I'm like, I don't know, but like, you know, whatever, the Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue, but you're like, I'm trying to do this diet, I'm trying to do the keto, I'm trying to do the I was going to say the Frito, like the chips, but not that. I'm trying to do whatever. But you're just speaking these words, right? Number five up there, your experiences. Experiences do affect you. They do affect the way you think. I, um, in one year, it was 2016, I think it was. In one year, I lost a mentor, friend of mine. I lost a baby. And I lost my dad. In, what, in probably in about eight months, I think it was. And I remember that year, literally the narrative that the enemy was feeding me was that anybody that's close to you, you're going to lose them. You are the product of, like, you in anybody's world is going to create loss. To the point where for years when I had children, like when I first, my kids were really young, I didn't want to fully give myself to them in love, like I love them, but I didn't want to demonstrate and fully give all of my heart to them because of the fear that one day I may lose them tragically. And if I kept a little of my heart away from them, then I wouldn't be so devastated if they died, literally. And I had to get set free from that. And my kids would feel it. They'd just be like, they'd be like, oh, you know, they would come, but they would cling a little bit more to my husband than to me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, that experience, that year of continual loss left you feeling um, like unable to give of yourself to people. And you just thought that, you know, you were going to lose that in, in every situation. And then culturally, that's another source of some of these thought pro, uh, uh, patterns that come to our mind is our culture. You know, we live in a generation. How many people have Instagram? You're on Instagram. You're on social media. You're on Facebook. You're on what is it? Tick, tick, TikTok. I am 38, I, like, but I can't keep up. My, my daughter knows TikTok. I don't even know. Um, and it's interesting how many years ago the only other women that you compared yourself to um, were women that live, literally lived in proximity to you. You could walk down the street. They're there. You, you know, like really close to you. Nowadays, you have Instagram, you're comparing yourself to somebody that lives in, in Pakistan. Or you're comparing yourself to someone that lives in Australia that you don't even know. 
Because our culture says, scroll, look, compare, you should be like this. How many people watch the, um, what was it, the Super Bowl? The football thing. Super Bowl. There was so much controversy in Toronto over the, like, the J-Lo, um, Shakira, whatever they did, um, halftime show. And it was like, there was this thing that was flying around, like, even our church people were talking about it. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, J-Lo's body. She's like 50. Look at her. Da, da, da. And finally I had it. I was like, y'all, you guys know she has probably a personal trainer, a plastic surgeon. She's on keto, Frito halo, like all these, I mean, they're so nip tucked, whatever. Like, so you're comparing yourself to somebody that has been, had work done on them. And once again, she takes care of her body, whatnot. I'm not trying to shame that. I'm just saying, why do we look at these people and put them at the, you know, epitome of why, how my body should look and compare yourself to them? Next slide says this out of Proverbs 23, 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Turn to somebody and say, as you think, so are you. As you think, so are you. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to bring about experiences, once again, culturally, uh, with authority figures, with your family line, that repeat itself. The more an experience repeats itself, once again, tactic of the enemy, the more you buy it to be a reality. It may be a false reality, but it becomes your reality because many of us grab a hold of it. And once again, some of our belief systems or the thoughts that roll around our mind are very shallow. You know, I could get up one day and just be like, oh, I'm not really vibing my hair today. Like, it just kind of look like, kind of looks like a hornet's nest, whatever. Um, and not, but that's very different than getting up feeling like I am wrong. Some have deep impact that affect the core of your identity, and some are a little bit shallow. But the reality is, is we've got to be aware of both, and we've got to deal with both. So ungodly beliefs, I'm going to pick this up. It's what you believe about yourself that does not line up with the truth or biblical scripture. Uh, these are fueled by comparison, ne negative self-talk, and our experiences. It's like you, the, it's like the picture of a car being your life. And every day you're going to fill it up with gasoline. You already have some, you know, experiences and all these things that have happened to you. And you're filling it up with the gasoline. You're fueling it with comparison and negative self-talk. It reinforces what was kind of lingering on the surface. I said this to the, the, the conference the other day that if we took the way that we felt about ourselves and how we, we gave ourselves negative self-talk and we said those things to somebody else, you would be like, oh my gosh, you're so rude. Like, think about it. If, all the, if the narrative that was going on in your heart about yourself, you took that and you turn to the girl next to you and you dish that out to her, you would be deemed rude and mean. So why do we do that to ourselves? Because God doesn't do that to us. The Bible says, I think I have a slide for this, in John 8, 44, that Satan is the father of lies. So all the lies, all the negativity, and once again, this is kind of building on all the stuff we've been talking about through the conference. He's the father of all of it. 
He is the originator. He's the mastermind. He finds like a thrilling adventure in feeding you lies. It's not God. It's not the will of God. It's not the desire of the Father, but it is Satan. So interestingly enough, I had this experience one day actually for myself where I felt like I got up in the morning and the enemy was like, you're defeated. That was like the first statement that came. You're defeated. And I was like, oh, I kind of feel. And then before I could actually get it out, God was like, why are you receiving that? He's defeated. He's trying to put on you what's in him. So I turned around. I was like, you said I'm defeated. You're defeated. Here's what the scripture says. You're defeated. Right? Like, why are you trying to put on me your stuff? Right? That's, that's your ish. You are defeated. Satan won the victory. You're done. But you're trying to make me defeated. The Bible says he is the father of lies. So my ungodly belief, I'll call it that my ungodly belief. We can go to that slide. Was that if I'm fully me, I will be too much and over the top. I need to be guarded about what I say so I won't be rejected by others. I was like, I'm too much. I'm too much. So I was thinking about this whole idea of ungodly belief. And the Lord said to me one day, you know, he talks to me in the language of fashion because I like fashion. So that's between me and God. However he speaks to you, that's your business. But me and God, it's fashion. So the Lord, Lord was talking to me about it. And he was like, yeah, like ungodly beliefs. It's like putting on, and disclaimer, if you like these shoes, that's okay. May you run in these shoes and be all that God called you to be, Okay. But the Lord said to me, it's like you wouldn't put on Uggs. And I was like, yeah, Uggs the boot? I said, God, those are ugly. And God was like, just like you wouldn't put on Uggs, don't put on and don't take on ungodly beliefs. Now, how many people know Uggs? I mean, they have evolved. They have evolved. You know, they hit a tipping point that so many people were wearing them that they became mainstream fashion. But for me, in my world, in my picture world, they represent, ugh. So for me, it was ungodly beliefs, uggs. Like, what am I, what am I, and the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you putting on? What are you putting on your feet? What are you putting on, what are you adorning that you're going about your way with? So I say the same thing to you. What are you putting on? Is it ugly? Because if it's ugly, take it off. That did not come from heaven. It did not. You got to get you some heels. A little cute, cute shoe, right? So here we're going to do something here. Pull out a little pad of paper or an uh, iPhone or whatever else is out there. <laughs> I'm going to throw up here about 10 lies that we as women believe. There are way more, once again, across the world. I have probably statistically pro proven there's probably 10,000 gazillion lies that we as women subject ourselves to. Number one. I am not beautiful because I want you to navigate and uh, identify maybe two that belong to you, okay? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring it up. Sometimes you're like, nah, I'm good, I'm good, and then the Holy Spirit gently nudges you. Number one, I'm not beautiful because dot, 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 my nose is crooked, my hips are big, um, I'm not, you know, the top of my class, I'm not beautiful because my body this, my whatever the case may be. Number two, I'm worthless. What I have doesn't have value. In the kingdom of God, with God being the king, being an amazing father, 
The reality is, is in his kingdom, in his household, everybody has a desire to be seen. Everybody has a desire to be heard. And everybody has a desire that what they bring to the table matters. So sometimes if you don't feel seen, heard, and what you have validated or, 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 or matter, then you can feel worthless. It is okay to, to need validation. It's okay. That's why he says, come to me. It's okay to admit that you need to be validated. God loves to validate you. Unknown. Unlovable. Powerless and inadequate. Some of us just feel like I've, I, just, I just feel powerless. Next slide. If people really knew me, they would not like me. Some of us walk around with that. I'm not good enough. We were talking about that through the conference. I'm too much. There's no hope for my future. I'm not smart enough. So I want you to just write down what sticks out to you, okay? And we're going to come back to that in a minute. And once again, if you, like, I know I'm throwing a lot at you. If you want my slides or whatever, I can send it to you. Um, or, or they have it here. So I want you to pick what, what sticks out to you, okay? So I'm going to give you a couple things real quick here, and then we're going to go back to that in a little exercise. I want to give you some practical tips for uprooting, pulling the weeds out of your life. Now, Gardening is a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly event. If you do it once and you leave your garden and you come back two years later, they're going to seize your house, maybe, I don't know, or your neighbors are going to be angry, like it's going to be overgrown, all that kind of stuff. So we've got to be in the process of uprooting the weeds. How do we do that? A couple things here. We've talked about it kind of through the weekend. I'm just laying another layer on it. you got to identify the ungodly belief for what it is. You got to see it. You got to be able to see it, identify it for what it is. Number two, you've got to repent for believing. We just did this earlier today. Believing and reinforcing it through negative talk. You got to own it. God, I repent for agreeing with this and daily using my mouth to enforce this. I'm telling you, I'm giving you some tips here for getting this thing out of you because this is an ongoing process. You got to forgive the people that are connected to your ungodly belief. I had to release that teacher. And I'd be like, you know what? I had to forgive her and recognize that she did not know how the father saw me. She didn't know my capacity. You've got to get the truth. Say, get the truth. Say it with a little, you know, getting power. Get the truth. <laughs> and you've got to get in a healthy first circle. I abide kind of by a little internal thing where I have three circles in my life. My first circle are the people that are closest to me, my husband, my best friends, like that, that literally I will listen to the feedback that they have for my life. I trust them with my heart. Uh, my second circle are like friends and acquaintances. And because I pastor, you know, people that are some of my leaders and that type of thing. And then I've got people on the hour circle Follow me on social media or, you know, hit me up here, there, whatever the case may be. But how many people know that I, I've got to have a healthy first circle? Because if you're not healthy, chances are you're going to be throwing your own. We talk about the chucking, the, um, the, the daily chuck. I love that. You'll be trying to take your rock, not hand it to Jesus, but chuck it into my garden. And then after a while, you've gonna be, you would have chucked enough 
rocks to create a pathway for me to walk on in my garden. So my inner circle, be sure I vet my inner circle because I want health in my heart, in my mind. So we got to get truth. Let's go to the next slide. Truth is like getting the word of God. I am valuable, 1 Corinthians 7.23. I am capable, Ephesians 2.10. I am treasured, 1 Peter 2.9. The Bible says in Romans 12.2, don't copy the behaviors and the custom of this world, but let God, say let God, transform you into a new person. This is what uh, Kim was talking about, you know, the broken place. Let him transform you into something new. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says this. I love this. It says, we capture, like a prisoner of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. How many people played capture the flag as a kid? Probably one of those games like Red Rover that they kind of banned because children be out in the field, they can't find you for days, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But I love the choice of language here. Capture. You're going after it with zeal. You are going to wrestle it down and make it bow to the knowledge of Christ. We've got to do that with wayward thoughts in our mind. Don't let things run around your mind that you don't want in your future and that is not true about you. Let's change the slide. We're going to bring it home. We're going to come back to some of this stuff. So practical tips. Once again, we did some uprooting. You got to repent. You got to get the truth, all these different things. And then now we have to do some planting. Everybody say plant a seed. So in order to plant, you got to do this. You got to receive the truth. Part of it was getting the truth, but now you got to receive it. It's like, it's like somebody giving you a gift. You got to take the gift. You got to unwrap the gift and you got to use the gift. Some of us, you know, we get gifts and we're like, oh, yeah, thanks. It's amazing. And it goes on a shelf. Never used. But with the truth regarding your life, you've got to get it. You've got to unwrap it. You've got to meditate on it. And you got to wear it. Okay? That's what I call a godly belief. <laughs> the Lord said to me, once again, in the realm of fashion, you know, Uggs. God says, you got to get a godly, you got to get my heart for you. Godly belief. I said, well, what does that mean, God? He said, you got to get yourself a Gucci bag. <laughs> godly belief. I tried to tell my husband that, but he was like, I didn't buy no $10,000 Gucci bag, right? He wasn't having it. You got to declare the truth. Power of life and death are in your tongue. We got to understand that. You've got to get around people who remind you who you are. Got to get a cheering squad. People that celebrate you with no ulterior motives. You got to develop self-awareness. I think this is one of the strongest tools that, um, that is, is kind of coded in the Bible that God hands us. That is, you've got to know yourself. You got to take time to intentionally know what's going on. You got to know if you're in pain. You got to know if you're happy. You've got to know what, what, what is going on on the inside of you. And to be able to articulate that. Because if you do that, then you can capture thoughts well. You can navigate through what you're seeing produced in your garden. 
You got to pursue, oh, I put all my money on this one. You've got to pursue deep encounters with God. You've got to drive all of who you are into the deep places with God. This is like my little girl and my son. My son, my, my little girl were learning how to swim. Micah, my son, he's 12, he's older. His, his methodology would be like, okay, in the shallow end, eh? not the deep end. He'd be like, oh, he's kind of like his mom. You know, I don't know how to swim. He's just like, it's cold. Why do people swim? Like, that's Micah. So he'd be like, Mm. And we're like, we have to get him in there. Shiloh, not the shallow end, Shiloh, my eight-year-old, we literally have to strap floaty devices to her because she will take off running and jump in and not even think about whether she can swim or not. We've got to push all of who we are into the deep places of encounters with Jesus. Because there are places in the deep places with Jesus that he begins to massage your heart in ways that you cannot even do. I think Kim probably would agree with me on this. There are times where, you know, where you don't have it in you to do anything, but just lay there. Like, I remember the year where, uh, where I lost a baby, lost my dad, lost a friend. I remember wailing in such a deep place, like wailing. I'm talking about uncontrolled, like deep, 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 where all I could do was put on, like, Christian music and wail. And I remember getting up from there feeling like I had an encounter with the Like, the Lord met me right there. And then I remember, um, and I'm like, I'm like a dreamer, and I see things in pictures too, in prophetic. And I remember having dreams at night where the Lord would touch my heart. Like literally he would visit me in the night hours through my dreams and literally remove things that were so deeply embedded in my heart. you got to drive all of who you are into the deep places. you got to let yourself be celebrated. Throw yourself a party. Some people hate their birthdays. They dread it. They're like, I don't want to be older. I don't want to be, I'm turning 40 in like two years. I don't want to be 40. you got to let yourself celebrate. When your birthday comes around, throw a party and just be like, this is what I like about myself. This is where I'm going. This is how, you know, you have an opportunity every year to become an upgraded version of who you were. Take it upon yourself. Every year, okay, here we go. Let's do the little iPhone upgrade thing my husband tells me I need to do. Or else you glitch. Right? Last one, you got to intentionally make room for your pain. I had a therapist tell me this years ago. She's like, oh, you're too busy. You have not made room for your pain. I said, I rebuke you, lady. I rebuke you. I said, I don't even know if that's Bible. She said, oh, no. You got to make room because you've got to slow the noise enough to feel what has happened to you and deal with the Father. If I took a knife and I stabbed my arm with it and I felt nothing, there would be a problem. Correct? right? But if I stab my arm and I feel the pain, that means I'm healthy. Not healthy in my head maybe because I stabbed myself, but healthy <laughs> because I felt the pain, right? Pain is an indicator that something's wrong. So we got to make room to deal with it with God. All right. So here's what I'm going to have you do in the last seven minutes or so. I want you to pull out your paper. I think you still have it there. And I want you to close your eyes and I'm going to ask you to ask the Father a question. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Because I feel like the Father is constantly talking about and celebrating how awesome you are. I just don't think you've tuned your radio station in to hear it all the time. But he, he's so affectionate with his words. He's so generous with his love. So I want you to ask the Father. This is what I'm going to, and I don't want you to filter it. I don't want you to make it pretty and edit it and all that kind of stuff. I just want you to write down what you hear. 
I want you to ask the Father, Father, how much do you love me? And I want you to write down whatever he says, okay? Question number one, how much do you love me? Question number two, I want you to ask him, what do you love about me? What do you think is so amazing, God, about me? Okay? I want you to write that down. So number one, once again, and right now we're dealing with, for some of you, out of that list of lies, right now we are getting truth and we're going to apply it, okay? So God, how much do you love me? Whatever he says. And number two, what do you think is the most amazing thing about me? Like, what do you love about me? How much and what do you love? Okay, take a moment. Amen. So I just want to challenge you that part of your routine, and this is what I had to do. I've, I've got like 30 seconds left maybe here. Is that I had to be intentional about recognizing what was wrong, where it came from, what I needed to do in terms of getting truth, and then daily apply it. I, like, I, I can't tell you how long and how deep this journey has been for me because of just everything in the kitchen sink that the enemy threw at my life. Like, I think a lot of us, you know, and I was listening to Kim's story, a lot of us have gone through a lot of different stuff. And I realized that the enemy of your soul wants you defeated, he wants you dead, and he doesn't want you to max out your potential. So we have to be intentional about it. And I went on this intentional journey of, you know, and I had to get help. Lori was probably one of the first people that helped me out. She was like, I remember doing this little session with her in the back. And they were like, I don't know what this is going on with this girl. Like, you guys literally looked at me like, oh, my gosh. What have you got ourselves into? This is what you've gotten yourself into, you know? Um, but I had to go on a journey where I had to take the truth. I had to open it up. I had to put it on, and I had to do that every single day to the point that I did not want to stand on a pulpit like this. I would be so nervous and riddled with fear because I thought I would be too much and that people would see that I am wrong. But the Lord, through a journey, delivered me from that as I daily put one foot in front of the other, and I wrestled down, like that scripture says, every thought that does not come from heaven. And then I got people around me that were like, you're the bomb, you're great, God loves you, go ahead, you know. Got to get you a friend, a real friend. So let me pray for you as it's 2.30 here. Let's stand, let's change our posture. I'm going to ask you to put the, your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. Maybe, yeah, if we can kind of, yeah, find one friend. Just put your arm around. Okay, I'm going to pray quick here. So, Father, I thank you. We thank you for the lives of the women that we stand shoulder to shoulder with. Father, we pray right now that they would know how you see them, that they would apply it, that they would adorn themselves with it, and that they would run in the beauty that you've given them and that which you've caused them to leave here even in the earth. So, Father, right now we just strip off, we dust off every false belief, every ungodly belief. We break it off right now. Right now we break it off. It, it will not be our narrative. And we make a commitment to daily come before you to hear how much you love us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. It would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a review. You can follow us on Instagram at Awakening Moments Podcast, and you will find Lori and I at Lori Eitz Boucher and Rhonda.Corto. We'd love to connect with you. 